Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast, sharing a rundown of tips and strategies to live healthier and happier in a fun way. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Today, I'm talking with the Chief Medical Officer for the Crisis Text Line. It's a free confidential text message service for people in crisis. Anyone can text 741-741 in the U.S., or if you're in Canada, you can text 686868, and services are available 24 hours a day. There's been a lot of talk about suicide on social media and in the news, especially with the recent passing of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Sadly, suicide is on the rise in the U.S. It's the second highest cause of death for people age 15 to 24 It's so heartbreaking and it makes you feel very powerless and, you know, just scared for everyone that you love, especially young people that you love. So I think if nothing else, it's important to realize where there are resources, get informed in case you need any resources or you can pass them on to someone that you love. So I just want to share this resource in case you or anyone you know may ever need it. And because I mentioned it kind of in passing during the interview, I am going to just share really quickly how I originally started going to therapy. So there's that. But... In case you're new here, my name is Monica, and I started runeatrepeat.com over nine years ago to talk about training for my first full marathon and weight loss journey. I fell in love with running and was sharing my story, so the site grew into an amazing community, and now it's this podcast. You can check out runeatrepeat.com for training tips, recipes, random life updates, and more. I'm very happy you're here. Now let's get into the warm-up. So I talk about going to therapy a lot, and I mentioned it kind of offhand during the interview because this is, the crisis text line is a resource when you are in a crisis situation. And long-term though, it is important if you need any other support to get that in other ways. So I kind of mentioned that I originally started going to therapy in college, And I was like, I don't know if I've ever shared my therapy story. And then I realized I cannot share it all during this warm-up because I feel like it's a little bit of a long story, which made me kind of think that that might be a little weird, but I embraced the weird and also made me curious as to why am I so okay with this? Like, why do I not have any hesitation about talking about mental health, my own mental health, going to therapy? None of this has ever been weird for me. So it made me curious about myself and I actually identified it. So I kind of want to start with that. When I was in college, I had a long-term boyfriend and I would go to Sunday dinners a lot of times with his family And it was his mom, his dad, he had three sisters, one of them was married, and I would come most of the time. From the very beginning, his mom and or one of his sisters, sometimes they would just talk about something that they processed in therapy, or his mom was in OA, Overeaters Anonymous, she would also talk about that. The point is, it was 
such a normal part of the conversation. The tone of talking about therapy was no different than us talking about going to, I don't know, going out to dinner or having some project at work, like whatever it was, they were just, it was just another part of the conversation. And so I think that was my first exposure to therapy or thinking about therapy. So I just was kind of taught on some level, this is totally normal. This is totally okay. It's no different from joining a gym or taking up another, you know, looking into something else that you do with your time. Therapy is totally normal. And you could talk about it with people, even potentially people that you don't know that well, right? Because at first, it just seemed like from the very beginning, there was this comfort level. And this self-acceptance, which I think is huge. And I'm kind of having a light bulb moment right now saying that, that I think a big part of it was that specifically as mom, but I think all of them were so self-accepting. It wasn't like I am doing this because there is something weird with me or wrong with me or anything like that. So I think I went into it from the very beginning with you know, if there is potentially some interest that you have in this, or if you think you want help or support with this, just like I'm using the example of joining a gym, getting a personal trainer, right? You want some neutral third party to help you teach you how to work out. And this is like, teach you how to work your problems out. I went into it like that. And in college, I just realized that I had a lot of body image issues. And I identified that they were starting to affect my personal life, that basically, I really dreaded going to parties or really anywhere, because I felt self conscious. And I didn't, I was really stressed and like really anxious about what food would be there. And it was making me not want to hang out with my boyfriend or be social, which is, I realize like that is where it kind of can cross a line that if something that you are struggling with is interfering with you being social and spending time with the people you love or spending time doing the things you love, that that is potentially when you might want to explore it. And so, like I said, I was in college and I was on my mom's health insurance still because they cover you till I think you're 24, which is awesome. And I just pulled out my medical card, which I had, and called the back of the number. There was a phone number on the back of the card that said something about exploring different services. So I called to ask about it because that's what it said first. And then I was referred to the website, I had got log on information to find one near me. And it wasn't all smooth sailing in that the first person that I found and went to an appointment with, I did not really gel with. She was an older lady. And I don't even remember. I feel like I just did not connect, did not feel comfortable. And so maybe I went to one or two appointments. I might've made a follow-up, but just didn't go back and went to go look for someone else. So the good news is that I continued to kind of find someone. And that's how it is. A lot, a lot, I think, with therapists, but with personal trainers, right? Someone's style might not work for you. And with therapists. And so I eventually found someone that I really clicked with. And it just like really worked. 
And I went for a while pretty consistently when I was in college. And I mean, I just thought it was totally normal. I told anyone that, you know, I would sometimes go during lunch in between classes or something. I don't even know when I go on appointments, but I know I have always just talked about it in a very casual, matter of fact way. And it is kind of news to me and interesting to me that other people, because this is how I am, right? And how I feel, my comfort level, that other people are hesitant to talk about therapy or to go to therapy or to talk about mental health. I have an odd comfort level in comparison to other people I've come across talking about these things because I really don't think it should be any different when we are struggling with something. If you are struggling with this huge project you're stressed about at work, you know, or some physical ailment that you are struggling with, if you have diabetes, you can't necessarily see it, right? And if you have any sort of chemical situation, people can't necessarily see it. It doesn't make it any less true, right? We can't see everything that is going on with someone else physically, emotionally, mentally on so many different levels. And I have realized that for a really long time. Uh, Thankfully, I think in a large part to my ex-boyfriend's mom, which is so weird. It's kind of like I said, that had been this light bulb moment for me of, hey, not everyone is super comfortable talking about their mental health. That is odd to me. And then I'm like, why am I so comfortable? And I also think that me explaining that thought process is important to note that I realized that there is this aspect of me that thinks about things differently from someone else. And I don't come at it thinking, whoa, is there something, am I doing it wrong? And I also don't think, are they doing it wrong? It's important. And I mentioned this during the interview as well, that when we are trying to learn and grow, that we are curious and kind to ourselves. And this is something actually, and this kind of goes full circle, that I learned with intuitive eating, that one of the things that is important is you should be curious. And sometimes when you are, and I'm saying you, but it's like I'm owning it, like it's me, the book kind of encourages and the concept of intuitive eating that even if you are binging, to not think, I am a piece of shit because I am binging right now. Like I am the worst. I'm so dumb. Uh, I'm fat or I have no self-control. Like to get into that is not helpful, but you want to come at it as if you are a, I I think this is specifically from the book that you are kind of like studying yourself. Like you were a sociologist or something watching someone else and just taking note, being curious about their behavior. And so it's important to be curious about how you act about things and how people around you do and not come at it like, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. This is right. But just like, oh, okay, so that's how you see something. Or I wonder why that was my reaction. Where did that come from? I think that. I am very, it's funny for me to talk like this because I talk about therapy a lot and I feel like my attitude about this is very like, be kind and curious to yourself, which I am also very, very big on tough love. Like I am coached for 
life and athleticism and like anything that's more like with running to be like, suck it up, buttercup. Like I like a tough love coach for sure. I I like Jillian Michaels style. I dig that. I'm all about it. That's how, that's how I would want to be coached in an athletic situation. But when it comes to something like this, it's funny. It's like the one time that I am like, be kind and curious to yourself. And especially because I am not always. So I just wanted to share that. That is like the tiniest little drop of information on my very lengthy therapy history. Obviously, there's been different reasons I've been going. I don't know. I don't know if it's too much, but I'm okay with it. I'll just be curious and I will examine it. I just wanted to share that because I know I was going to get questions about it. And I also wanted to say that it was really easy for me to find a therapist. So if you have access to that resource in any way and you think that it would be helpful, I would say explore it. You can always, you know, not continue to go long term. But if it is something that you have thought about, I would say get the information. It's always better to have you know, someone to talk to ready to go if you need it versus waiting till you are in a extremely bad place and really, really need it. So yeah, just wanted to pass that on. Now let's get to the main event. Today, I'm talking to chief medical officer with the crisis text line, Dr. Shiree Turner. Dr. Turner has a master of public health from the Harvard School of Public Health, a medical doctorate from Case Western Reserve School of Medicine, and a bachelor of science from Stanford. She trained at Massachusetts General Hospital and the Children's Hospital of Boston. Before taking her current position with the Crisis Text Line, she was Chief Medical Director for the Florida Department of Juvenile Justice and former Deputy Secretary for Health at the Florida Department of Health. Her resume and advocacy experience are beyond impressive, and I am so grateful to have her on the show today. Dr. Turner, thank you so much for being on the show. In case anyone is not familiar Can you tell us what the Crisis Text Line is? Yes, thank you for having me. Crisis Text Line is a national nonprofit organization that handles crisis intervention by texts. It's a volunteer-based organization, volunteer-run organization, where anyone from anywhere can text in with any crisis and they will be received by a volunteer by text, and they will basically help the texter to go from a hot moment to a cool calm, essentially de-escalating the crisis using crisis intervention techniques that our volunteers are taught um, in an online 30-hour training program. Awesome. And uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that this is kind of like any crisis anywhere. I think that crisis text line is sometimes grouped in with suicide hotlines. So this doesn't necessarily have to be someone feeling like they are at a point that they are suicidal. It is potentially just someone in crisis that needs help. Is that okay for them to use a service? Correct. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because we do get categorized with some of the other suicide hotlines because we do handle suicide, but we handle everything from, you know, teenagers who are stressed by final exams to relationship issues 
to bullying. So we cover anything essentially that causes a crisis for an individual and, and a crisis is very specific. So, or individual, because what could be something very basic for one person can be a crisis situation for another person. Um, meaning that it, it impairs their ability to, to handle the situation and to cope. So we are available to any and all texters who feel like they are in crisis. They don't have to be on the brink of suicide or having thoughts of death. Although we do handle people who are in crisis and having thoughts of death and dying. Um, and we actually, what makes us also different from suicide hotlines is we will dispatch local law enforcement to people who are at imminent risk of suicide. Yeah. And that's actually, I mean, it's definitely, even though that's not the only thing, you know, the only resource for you guys, I definitely wanted to reach out because there's been a lot of talk of suicide with a lot of high profile people in that situation. I think that a lot of people are talking about it right now. And I was looking on the CDC website that it is on the rise. And so it's something that we should talk about. But I think that one of the things that people have a problem with and kind of get stuck on is why they don't understand why someone gets to a point where they want to hurt themselves or kill themselves. Right. And everybody's reason is very different. You know, it's very personal why someone feels that a situation or a series of events brings them to the point of thinking about death and dying. It's not always just related to an existing mental health issue. There are people who just feel like they're completely overwhelmed by a given situation and they may or may not have a pre-existing mental health condition, but still feel like whatever is happening in their lives, unfortunately, is too much for them to handle. It's always it tends to be associated with a real feeling of loneliness and darkness. So it's not just people who have other types of crisis that you, anyone can be at a point of feeling like they're so alone and so isolated that, that suicide sadly is their only option. Is there a reason, do you think, for it seeming to increase, especially in young people, that it seems to be on the rise? Yes. What what it's, what seems to be happening is we're seeing more of an increase in thoughts of suicide amongst younger students and children and adolescents. I think part of it is related to our connectivity through social media insofar as we see celebrity deaths. We hear the details of celebrity deaths. We, we hear the details of suicides of adolescents and adults across the country. Children and adolescents now have access online to discussions about suicide, ways to kill yourself. So I think that the, on the one hand, people's awareness is being raised about suicide. And one of the positives about that is that we're also raising the awareness around asking people if they are 
you know, if, if we, if we see behavior in a friend or family member and we're concerned, there's now more of an ability or a willingness to reach out and ask someone and say, are you thinking of hurting yourself? But at the same time, our awareness and the awareness of children and adolescents of the fact that they can kill themselves. There's just, there's, there's much more of an awareness of suicide that could be contributing to, um, to the increase that we're seeing across the nation. And I think there's a lot of stressors on teenagers and obviously not to blame everything on social media, but kids now have more of an awareness of what their friends are doing, the, the lives that, you know, the, the things that people post online, we know don't always show the good and the bad sides of life. It oftentimes gives uh, an idealized picture of what life is like. And for teenagers, I think they don't necessarily have the perspective to see that not everybody is perpetually on vacation, always with friends, always having a great time. But social media creates this kind of comparative perspective. You know, all of these people are together having a great time and I'm by myself. That I think is something new to that a new dynamic for adolescents to deal with. Yeah, for sure. And it is like, if you are having a hard time, potentially at school or with friends or something, you don't get to necessarily go home and escape from it if it is still on your phone or on your computer and you're still just watching it and seeing it. Right. And that that's a, a key point for bullying too, right? So 20, 30 years ago, cyberbullying was not really an issue. Now kids really can't leave the school environment. They can't leave and go home because they, they always have their phone with them and their school friends are always with them in, you know, through social media. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, it's so true too that it, at that age, they really don't know self care enough to be like, this is making me feel bad. Maybe I should turn it off. Right. Right. And that's key because they are, they are now digital natives, right? They, many of the today's teenagers have never known a life without a phone, without social media. So there's no comparison there for them to say like, this was my life prior to being you know, on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, and this is my life now. There's no comparison because almost as soon as they got, as soon as they get a phone, many times they're, they're connected to social media. Oh, completely, completely. Is there something that we should be aware of in terms of risk factors since it really, and this must, is probably really hard to kind of identify and list, but since it really does affect people of all ages, of all different income levels and, you know, ethnicities, are there certain kind of signs or just things that we should be aware of if we think that someone is potentially at risk for hurting themselves? Right. Great question. So what you would want to look for in, say, a friend or a family member would be change in behavior, a loss of interest in spending time with friends, a loss of interest in activities, increased either sleepiness or anxiety or disengagement, 
sometimes it's very hard to detect because people will oftentimes present at least amongst friends as everything is fine, but it's, and it's no, you know, you don't want people to feel like they have a responsibility to detect suicide amongst their friends and family members. But if one recognizes that a friend is more withdrawn, sad, disengaged, not eating as well, not sleeping as well, missing work, missing school, especially if there's been some particular event, a death in the family or something significant like that. Those are things to watch for that can potentially be indicators of someone who might be at risk or have thoughts of hurting themselves. And I I think it's always good to come at it with just feeling curious and not judgmental, both for ourselves and for other people so that you're not necessarily throwing a judgment on them or taking it personally if someone doesn't want to hang out with you, but just kind of being like kind and curious and right. and asking about it. Right. And that is that is key. And that's why we have the always ask campaign for our texters. It, it is if you can if someone can ask in a kind and gentle way and say, I recognize that you're not quite yourself. Is everything okay? It's easier for someone to say, no, I'm not okay, than it is to be sort of sitting with your friend and say, hey, I've, I've had thoughts of hurting myself. You know, that's, that's harder to introduce into a conversation than having someone sit there with you and say, I recognize that you're not yourself. Are you okay? Are you having thoughts of hurting yourself or killing yourself? What we really want to do is normalize that question so that people don't feel judged and that they know how to ask that question um, in the context of a caring relationship. Yes. And I think that was, I've had a little bit of training in dealing with people that are struggling with things like this. And one of the things that was so just eye-opening to me was asking someone, are you thinking about hurting yourself? And that is not a suggestion, you know, because it's something you don't want to say, you might think it's offensive, or you're putting the idea in their head. And that's not the case, right? That is a key point, Monica. What our data and research has shown is that you cannot uh, suggest suicide by asking, right? Many people feel worried about bringing up the topic thinking that it's going to cause someone to decide to hurt themselves or kill themselves when really that's not the case. It's actually the opposite. You, you decrease that feeling of loneliness and isolation by asking someone and saying, I'm here for you. You're not going to suggest them into killing themselves or hurting themselves. So that's a very, very important point to make. I guess, is it, more than anything to if you think that someone in your life is at a bad place, just reaching out. Is that kind of what you would encourage? Always, always. Because again, when people get to the space where they think about hurting themselves or killing themselves or dying by suicide, they feel research shows that there's a sense of loneliness 
there's a sense of isolation. Um, there's a sense that they don't feel like they matter. And when someone reaches out and says, Hey, you matter to me. I'm here for you. That suddenly can help break that darkness, break into that, you know, bring some light into that dark space that they're in. And a friend or a family member does not have to do much more than that, then recognize the concern, ask the question and just say, let me help you. Right. And help doesn't have to be something very complicated. It can be, let's talk about it or let me help you find resources. Right. So when someone is in such a deep and dark space that they're thinking of killing themselves, it can be hard to then go searching for resources. But if someone says, I'm here for you, I can help you find some help. Sometimes that's, that's all it, that's all it takes. And so if someone listening themselves feels like they are in a bad place, what do you kind of suggest for that? Yeah. Reach out, reach out to crisis text line. If you think texting would be an option for you, reach out to a suicide hotline. If, if you want to connect with a person, you know, with an actual person on the phone, reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member, ask for help, right? People may not know how bad everybody's very busy, right? And we all get kind of caught up in our, our life situations and our life stressors, but reach out, reach out for help because people want to be there. Your friends want to be there for you. Your family wants to be there for you. I mean, how many times do we hear, you know, if I'd only known, and if you don't feel, if someone doesn't feel comfortable reaching out to someone they know, that's when crisis text line is perfect because it's anonymous. It's, you can text someone in, from any place from, from your classroom, from the boardroom, from the airport, everybody's texting. No one needs to know that an individual is in crisis when they're texting in. So that's the beauty of crisis text line. But regardless of where they reach out, the most important thing is to reach out for help. For sure. And I, I think too, I had seen, um, the embrace the awkward campaign, yeah. kind of yeah. realizing that it might, it's going to be uncomfortable. Like you are not necessarily an expert in this and that's okay. Right. That's totally okay. And, and, and sometimes it's even, so acknowledging that it's awkward is wonderful, right? So you can, people can even say like, this feels really awkward, but you know, you don't seem like yourself and I want to make sure that, that you're okay and ask you if you're having thoughts of suicide. So even acknowledging like, this feels weird to me, but I care about you and I want you to be okay. And I want you to know that I care about you. That's tremendous for someone who's in a dark space. That is just tremendous. Yes. I really like that. And so the crisis text line, what number is that if someone wanted to reach out and get some help? Yes. So all they would have to do is text in to 741-741. And they can text in and just say hi. They can say help. They can say what whatever they need to. But 741-741 is the text for Crisis Text Line. And they will be greeted by one of our many volunteers who is trained in 
crisis intervention. Mm-hmm. And I will say also our volunteers are supervised by mental health professionals who are staff members of Crisis Text Line. And so they oversee the volunteers who are taking on the text conversations. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like sometimes when you are either dealing with someone that you love that you think is in a bad place or you feel like you're in a bad place, what I mean, what do you say? Is there is it okay to not have the language and just say, I don't know, I'm sad or are you sad? Like, I I think sometimes it's overwhelming and you don't necessarily know either how to speak for yourself or how to ask someone. Where do you suggest someone kind of starts with that? I mean, they can just start with I'm not okay. I mean, it can be that simple. I need help. I'm not okay. I'm very sad. Something's not right. You know, are you are you asking kind of how they get into a conversation by text or with a person, Monica? Um, I would say by text because you kind of, uh, yeah, if you're in a bad place and you're texting or reaching out, it's like outside of saying, hi, like, what do I say if I, you know, if I need help? I, I think that's overwhelming. So people text in with all sorts of sort of introductory language insofar as, you know, I'm sad, I'm not okay. And the volunteers, our crisis counselors, are trained to start an exploration. So the texter can just start in with something very basic and know that the volunteer is trained to start to explore the issue to get a better understanding of what the concerns are. So they don't have to feel like they immediately have to lay out all of their thoughts and and concerns, but that the volunteer will be able to help explore that with them and and get to the crux and the heart of what might be bothering them. And I I think too, sometimes it's, it's funny, yeah, to ask that when you think like, going back to social media, that it is oftentimes this highlights reel, and we are not necessarily used to sharing something negative, right? And you and you sometimes feel like you don't want to put that burden on people of, you know, saying, if you are in a bad place, but just kind of saying, I am sad is okay. You know, if someone asks you how you are, it is okay to not necessarily say great. Right. I think we're we're in a space where we see pictures and video clips and social media showing, you know, everybody happy and on vacation and enjoying themselves and with friends. And that's really counter to the ups and downs of true daily life. And the reality is people have, everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days with some celebrities now sharing their mental health issues and thoughts of suicide. It really gives a, an excellent perspective that what you see and how someone's life appears insofar as being famous and wealthy, you know, depression, anxiety, and thoughts of suicide can happen to anyone. They can affect anyone. And I think when celebrities share these, these feelings, it's very powerful because it shows people that even those who appear to just have everything, quote unquote, everything going for them, struggle with mental health issues, struggle with anxiety and thoughts of suicide, just like everyone else. 
And it is so different how going back to, I think what you had first said that everyone deals with something differently. So it could be something that you don't necessarily think like that would be a really big struggle for me, but for someone else it is, or it gives them a lot of anxiety or, you know, just dealing with uh, different reactions depending on the person and how they kind of are internalizing it. Exactly. Everybody's experiences are so different, right? How we process information, how we process events, how we process interactions with other people, what may be no big thing to one person can be very devastating to another person. And that's why crisis text line, again, you know, when we define crisis, it's really about what impairs someone's ability to cope or function. So there's no judgment on what it is, right? Regardless of what it is, if the impact on you is that you can't function or you can't cope with the situation, then, then that is a crisis. And, and that is what we are here to help you uh, address. I really like that. And I think it reminds us too, to be kind to ourselves and not just to, you know, like it doesn't matter the situation. And it could have been something that in the past you coped with. Okay. And for whatever reason today, like you just cannot. Right. Exactly. You know, the circumstances of today are different than yesterday. You know, how you're coping with something today. And, and I think we too, as individuals should not be hard on ourselves to even say, Hey, like this was not a big deal last year, but it's hitting me pretty hard, whatever it is this year. And just being kind to ourselves and recognizing that everybody, once again, everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days. Um, and if you need support on one of those bad days, find it, ask for it, reach out, reach out to crisis text line, reach out to a hotline, reach out to a friend or family member, be kind, right? We just, I think we, we don't take the time to be kind to ourselves and recognize that there's a lot going on and there's a lot of information and national situations that come at us and affect our health and our mental well-being. Yes, yes. I, I It all goes back to being kind to others and to ourselves. It's just such a right. good thing to remember. Is there, if someone is just kind of interested in becoming more educated and more informed on this, where can we get more information? There's a lot of resources out there. So depending on what someone's baseline concern is, they can reach out to national organizations that deal with, let's say, depression or anxiety. Any of the national organizations are a good place to start with, you know, specific to what what the issue is. So if people are struggling with depression, they can reach out and go online and look for some of the resources for national organizations. If it's anxiety, I mean, that one, some of the beauty of the internet is that there's so many resources available. They can also look to resources within their schools, resources within their churches. They can go and speak with their doctors. So if they want something that's sort of closer to home, schools, churches, doctors, counselors, those are all good places to start kind of in person. And then there's a a plethora of resources online, uh, depending on what the specific 
crisis or issue is. For sure. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I do want to say too that I, when I was in college, I was still, you know, on my parents' insurance, health insurance. And I looked on the back of my medical card and got the number for a therapist. Like I just thought I needed to talk to someone. Yeah. And I set that up and it was like, yeah, it was, it, wasn't hard at all. And it was like, it wasn't even weird because I was very self-accepting, but um, I, I, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been weird. You know, these, they're professionals, especially when you're dealing with something like that, everyone is very professional and it was relatively easy to get help and not have to talk to someone in my personal life. I, I didn't have that comfort level and I felt like I needed a step beyond that, but yeah, there are um, potentially, and I forget about that too, especially like the health center at school having resources. Yes. Colleges and universities have become increasingly aware of the stress and the mental, the mental stress that school puts on, you know, students who are still just young adults. So there are growing resources within the college and university systems to address stress, anxiety, mental health issues. There are many, if not all universities, like probably not all, but many uh, universities have that as part of the, you know, university health insurance and university health programs. They can allow or allocate for a certain number of sessions with a therapist for college students on campus. And it's important for them to know that, that as a student reaching out early and kind of getting a handle on whatever the situation is, earlier is better. Um, and reaching out to whatever resources are available at school is, is a great place to start. Yes. Yeah. And it, there is no, it doesn't have to be a big issue. It's better earlier, better. Self-awareness is important. So if you are questioning it at all, it's better to err on the side of caution and yes. yeah, reach out. Yes. Yes, definitely. I think people just don't always take advantage of the resources that are there at the school, but sometimes they also realistically feel not sure if it's anonymous, right? So that may be a barrier, whether they feel like, you know, if I go into school and tell this counselor that I'm having mental health issues, or this is the way that I'm feeling, does this somehow, does this information go anywhere outside of the the counselor's office? And that's why having, you know, a crisis text line or suicide hotline available is helpful because it keeps it anonymous but, you know, for neither of the two are longer term therapy. So it would be important, though, to to get connected to longer term therapy, either at a school, school mental health center or elsewhere. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm glad I'm a huge advocate, obviously, for therapy. Yes. Um, so I, I like that kind of reminder as well. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Turner. 
I'll put links to the crisis text line website in the show notes at runeatrepeat.com. And I will also be posting the text lines phone number for the US and Canada, both on runeatrepeat.com and also on my social media that's at runeatrepeat on Instagram and on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash runeatrepeat. So you can check it out on your favorite place to get your social media on. And I definitely encourage you to to share it, pass it on, screenshot it, post it wherever. Um, It's really important. And you never know who might need this. That is your friend, follower, fan. I don't know what else we're supposed to call people that are connected to us online. But um, yeah, I just encourage you to pass it on. Now let's get to the awards. Today's first place award goes to you. You get first place for that super awesome thing about yourself that I want you to think about right now. The award is also kind of homework today, but it's homework for right now, this second. You have 20 seconds to just think about something awesome about yourself. Extra credit if you can think about three different things that you were just like, you know what? This is awesome about me. I am a fan of this. I love this about myself. When was the last time you did this? I think even if we're not necessarily tearing ourselves down, right? Like hopefully that is not a common practice in your life. When are you building yourself up? And I think a lot of times we're quick to build other people up around us, but I want you to take this 20 seconds and identify something that you love about yourself, something that is awesome about you, and you get the award for that. And you also get an award for listening to the show. I super appreciate it. And if you have a question for me, send it on over. You can email runeatrepeat at gmail.com, or you can call the RER voicemail line. That number is 562-888-1644. And Even if you don't have a question, if you have a topic idea that you want me to cover, I actually got an email recently from someone that said it it wasn't a question, but they had uh, a couple of topic ideas for the show that I was like, yes, these are great ideas. Love it. So super appreciate that. And tag at runny repeat on Instagram and let me know what you're doing right this second. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great run. Thank you for listening. For show notes, recipes, discounts, and more, go to www.runeatrepeat.com. You can also connect with Monica on Instagram by following at runeatrepeat and on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash runeatrepeat. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please rate and review in your podcast app.